Thank you for listening to Right Jokes, Wrong Times. Today, I was joined by Jeremy Brown. We started the podcast with me telling him how excited I was to talk to him. There's actually a lot of things that I wanted to ask you, a lot of things that have been on my mind that come to you with comedy both on and off stage. So I'm really interested to hear about the joke that you have that worked on stage that you'd like to talk about. Yeah. First, thank you for having me on, Potter. I appreciate it. And the joke for me that worked is actually one I didn't know was a joke. And I think that's probably why it's my favorite joke. And it became my opener that I've threaded in with a couple of other things. But it is, I grew up in a very religious trailer. <laughs> that's the the line. And when I first told it, I didn't know, I literally didn't know it was a joke. It was a setup to something else. But I started talking and I was moving on. And the whole crowd just erupted. And I'm like, you can see on my face, like I went back and rewatched the first show I told it. You can see on my face, I'm like, oh my God, wait, that's a joke? Oh, perfect. And then I just kept doing it to make sure it wasn't a fluke and people kept laughing. And so that it was, yeah, just this little, it was a setup that turned into one of my favorite jokes. So how religious was your trailer? Like crazy religious? It was super religious. I feel like we are very similar in this, except mine's not called a cult. It's just (laughs) called Christianity. So my my parents were like uber religious. I have found it's been really interesting to talk to people about how religious my folks were because uh, my, my grandmother one year got me a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like Christmas ornament for Christmas. And I was like, oh man, this is great. And then my mom, after we got home, took it away and said, you can't have this. I was like, wait, Ooh. what? Why? It's like, they get their powers from Satan. I'm like, no, they got their powers from pizza. What's the shit? He's like, no, turtles can't do kung fu. They get it from Satan. I'm like, oh my God, what? Oh man, that's crazy. The problem was that they did kung fu. Yeah. That, I think it was like her way of getting around, like cartoon violence, yeah. maybe. They did jujitsu. She's like cool with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if they had just been choking people out. I mean, she supports the police. Uh, so, yeah. And then I, she started uh, telling me all these other things that was involved with, with Satan. Uh, I couldn't do meditation <laughs> because when you open up your mind, it's allowing uh, Satan and his evil thoughts to come in. I'm like, Oh my God, I did not know. Thank you, mom. That's really good. Wow. Uh, Had no idea. No clue. Yeah. I, I, yeah, man, I just thought it was a way to relax, but no, it's (laughs) apparently giving up yourself to Satan's dark powers. Do you ever have like PTSD kind of writing jokes about like growing up in a religious trailer? Just growing up talking about religion and family is a very touchy subject. Oh yeah, for sure. I think now for me, I look back on stuff and just, I'll sometimes talking to people or writing something, I'll just have these realizations of, oh my God, that's stuff that you think is absolutely normal. Right. That you're now, you're just like, oh my God, that's just, that's a heinous man. Like that is terrible stuff. Like I used to, uh, in grade school during lunch and recess, I would literally minister to people. Like I would tell people, I'm like, hey, come and sit by me on the benches if you want to learn about the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm just like, dude, I'm eight right now. Oh, and it was so weird because I already wasn't good with people. And now I'm trying to tell them about Christ. Like it was, and my parents were just so proud of me. I asked people if they had AIDS when Magic Johnson came out because I was going to save them from AIDS because the healing power of Christ, like all of this stuff and just thinking about this. And at the time, 
everything I was doing I thought was normal and just totally okay. Nope. It was very weird. And I, but you can't see it. If you're living it, you right. think it's normal. And it wasn't until I was outside of this and like having conversations with people and they would stop me and they're like, wait, you did that? I was like, yeah, didn't you? No, yeah. I didn't do that. Like, it's, it it's fun being from a religion that people think is very comical. I ran into that immediately after I left Mormonism. Yeah. I, I could realize all the things that I did wrong. I actually, as a Mormon, I thought same thing. I thought gay marriage was wrong. Mormons believe that gay marriage is a sin. Mm -hmm. And so I remember I argued with somebody on Facebook when the Supreme Court overturned the ruling that allowed gay marriage, right? Man. And I remember a friend posted about it that I knew on Facebook and I argued with him that it was wrong because I was Christian. Jeez. When you grow up and your parents just tell you that that's how it is and your parents' parents told them that's exactly. how it is, you know, it, it, what can you do? Yeah. It's just normal. For sure. And I think it's interesting because it's easy to make fun of Mormonism. Like that, y'all y'all were a punching bag. Uh, I'm not doing it any favors. Yeah, exactly. But then when you just say like, oh yeah, I was I was raised Christian. I was like, oh cool, that you live in America. That's just the norm. Like that joke specifically, it sets me up really well for what they expect. Because they're right. like, okay, this guy's poor. He lived in a trailer, <laughs> so he's white trash and he's ultra conservative. So cool, I know exactly where I'm going with this guy. And it sets up these preconceived notions that I will then kind of break throughout the rest of my set. I've seen quite a bit of your sets and I don't remember you talking too much about religion. Do you, is that something that you just try to write in naturally or that you try to avoid or where do you so stand on writing about religion? It's something like I'll absolutely, I'll absolutely do it. Uh, and honestly, just talking about this with you now, I may go back and try and write about me being an eight-year-old minister. Your voice hadn't even dropped yet. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I'm 34. My my voice still hasn't dropped. If you get converted by an eight-year-old whose voice hasn't dropped, <laughs> like the life experience that they could share with you to get you to convert would yeah. have to be outrageous. That would, I mean, I was talking to some of the janitors because I think <laughs> they, they felt bad, but that would be great. Like they go home, they're 55, like they go home. Just feeding their cat, telling them, hey there, Mr. Whiskers. Today I gave my life to Christ because this little boy just told me that he loves me so much. Via an eight-year-old boy, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, man, that does sound bad. I haven't <laughs> yeah. really thought about the optics of a 55-year-old telling his cat that an eight-year-old boy made him change his life. That is... Oh, Jesus Christ. We walked into the worst scenario ever, like with yep. good intentions. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're doing all these great things, and now I'm ending it, and... <laughs> I'm going to keep things moving. I'm actually really interested to hear about, you told me you wanted to talk about a joke you have that you don't think works anymore or doesn't work anymore. So it was one I was really proud of when I wrote it, except I wrote it not recently. When did you write it? Uh, I wrote it, I was either in college or had just graduated. I think I was still in college actually when I wrote it. Uh, so that was at this point. Kurt Cobain is still alive? He went Man, how old do you think I am? <laughs> I uh, well, I mean, if you listen to the tabloids, he's alive now. So, yeah. Uh, so, I, it was probably at this point 15-ish years ago, give or take, okay. when I wrote it. But I was doing it. I was getting huge reactions. I did it in a club. And the headliner actually talked to me after the show and like, that's your closer. Work on expanding that, play with it a little bit, but that is your closer. I was like, man, right. that is great. 
Then I moved to Texas and had no friends, wasn't feeling the love. At the time, there was only really like one open mic. I was out until like one or so a.m. doing four minutes for three people uh, and just not getting anywhere. So I just, I quit doing stand-up for a long time. And then I got back into it and I was like, all right, this is my A stuff. And so I was doing that, started getting called hacky. I was like, nah, they're just wrong. Like this is like, I've got so many positive comments, like headliners, like a bunch of people told me this is great. And then I was on the Triple Threat podcast this week. I'd been doing really well on the show, like the third round. So I got told about the show like five hours before it started and I was working. So I couldn't take time off to prepare anything, anything like that. So I was scrambling, didn't know what was going on. And then the third round, the other two guys had done musical things. I was just like ripping on one of the other comics. It was going well, but I was like, that's not really a talent. I need to do my third talent. I was like, all right, they did musical stuff. I'll do, I'll do my Snoop Dogg thing. And so I did it. And then watching the host's face (laughs) while I was doing it, I was like, this dude hates me with every fiber of his being right now. And then I proceeded to just get berated for like the next, it may have only been five minutes. It felt like an hour and I'm just laughing through everything, trying not to cry because I'm like, dude, (laughs) I just, everything was going so well. It was fantastic. And then people are like, dude, are, are you racist? Do you think this is acceptable? It's not even funny. Just like all this stuff. And I'm like, slowly sinking within myself and just literally questioning everything about what I've done. And that I have never experienced such a 180 in my life of happiness to extreme self-hatred that fast. It, oh. I find some things that a lot of people don't find funny, pretty damn funny. I find stuff about religion funny. Yeah. I find stuff about politics funny. I find stuff about race very funny. Mm-hmm. And when I've written jokes... I have stepped across the line without realizing it and delivered a joke where I've done the same thing. I've gone home and I'm like, holy shit, dude, I can't believe that I thought looking at that, that that was an acceptable joke to make. Yeah. And what I've noticed looking back, I just did, I was supposed to do my first set back from quarantine last night. Yeah. So the show didn't end up happening. We waited like an hour after the show was supposed to start and nobody still showed up. So that was a great Perfect. night. Yeah. But I had to go through and look at my set for the first time since quarantine ended and be like, all right, what jokes am I going to tell? And I had a lot of jokes that I was like, I don't know if I'm comfortable telling this joke. Yeah. And you've seen my set. So you probably know more intimately yep. than anybody why I would feel that <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Because I tend to have a sense of humor that walks the line. And I, I think sometimes, unfortunately, while it might be funny 15 years ago, mm-hmm. that line then being shifted 15 years later yeah. changes the way your Snoop Dogg joke is perceived. It's Snoop Dogg rapping the ABCs. Like that was... <laughs> I, I don't think super bad. Like I've tried to do a voice that was similar and a couple people have told me like that's okay. Uh, or like a couple people have told me that it's good, but they were just like, yeah, the impression wasn't good. The content wasn't good. Just ripping apart every aspect of it. Nobody criticized you for the flow. I'm guessing <laughs> your flow is absolutely outrageously great. Yeah, they did not. They, that was the only one part word. that they didn't rip apart. So that was perfect um, flow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. The flow is good. Just, <laughs> 
what you're flowing. Uh, oh, Jesus. It's always that time of the month when it comes oh, out of Jeremy. Jesus Christ. Man. Uh, that's why we edit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you'll notice, I don't stammer through the podcast. That's not because I'm great at speaking. Yeah, it's because the magical world of editing. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't mind, I'm going to wrap things up. I see on Facebook a lot that you talk about politics and... I love that. I, I tend to shy. I went through like a phase of doing that about three years ago where I really talked about religion and politics a lot. I kind of fell out of it because I just fought with so many people all the time online. And so when I see you make posts online, I love reading your posts. And then I watch you go do comedy. And most times, you know, your comedy is so lighthearted and fun. And then you see you online is such a serious. How do you balance that? Part of doing stand up is escapism for me, where right. I, right. I do things that are a little bit just more fun because I want this to be just an enjoyable experience. So what are you writing now? So <laughs> one of the things I, I thought about is most people are in lockdown. Mm, we're in Texas. Yeah, we're I, in Texas. I, Nobody cares. I'd fight you on most. Yeah. Some people are in lockdown right now. People would say people <laughs> are in lockdown. You may have heard of lockdown. Uh, yeah. Seven people in Texas are doing it. I think so. I've been able to work for a company that you know believes in science, which is great. And so <laughs> they, and also it's a tech company, so it's generally something we can do from home, which has been great. So I've been in lockdown, and so I've been doing all of these Zoom meetings for work and then you're seeing people and like they've got their kids and you're getting insight into their house and then I started doing some some comedy shows over Zoom and it's a very different kind of house uh, right. and so I just started thinking about that like all the jobs that people have to do remotely and they're doing these Zoom meetings so I started to think about you know okay there's a bunch of things you would expect people to do over Zoom what wouldn't you expect I was like man what do drug dealers do right now like, <laughs> are they drug dealing over Zoom and like you get to see their home office and they have like <laughs> filing cabinets that they're pulling out and just different folders of different strains and then right. because everybody's teaching their kids at home, like you see their little kid run up like, daddy, it's like, oh, hey, come here, man. All right. <laughs> You're about to learn math. And then they're doing conversions of like, all right, that's 0.25. What fraction is that? A quarter. Great job. So this is a quarter. How many dollars is a quarter? And so just teaching their kid, like, oh, my God, this drug dealer is such a good dad. Like, he's teaching his kid a life skill. He's teaching him about math. That's so great. And just... Yeah, the future's in tech, man. Absolutely it is. He's a digital drug lord. Correct. So just thinking about, like, what would that look like and, and trying to figure out different professions that people have to do from home right now and, and what would that look like and how are they teaching their kids and stuff like that. But yeah, just thinking about all those things like, you know, what are professions that you generally would never believe could be done online and how are they coping with everything right now? Just because it's at, nice. at this point, it's something everybody can relate to. Like if you have kids, you had to teach them at home. Other, I'm guessing you probably just shoved them in a, a closet with like Dora the Explorer, probably Caillou. You teach. Yeah, sorry. Um, and yeah, Caillou is, is whiter. So that probably worked better for you. But <laughs> I just learned today, Colorado means red, which makes me realize like, why the fuck are they selling different colored Chevy Colorados besides red? Wait, Colorado means red? Yeah, color red. I don't know if you're joking or that's serious. I'm serious. We looked it up because we, dude, we were watching this show about Bolivia and they were talking about Laguna, Colorado. It's Red Lagoon. Wow. And then they were talking about Verde. Wait, Laguna Verde. 
and like this other lagoon and i was like holy shit colorado means red why the fuck would you sell a chevy colorado in white because white people are uneducated (laughs) it's it's cultural it's vehicle cultural appropriation absolutely like man so yeah you just educated me today i learned colorado means red man i did not expect to ever be at a point in my life where (laughs) brendan potter is teaching me about diversity well don't don't fact check it (laughs) i do a lot better when people don't fact check shit